Good morning. I'm Playbook co-author Rachel Bade. It's Thursday, October 12th, and it's been a hell of a week. Yesterday, House Republicans nominated a new speaker only to see a group of Republicans balk and threaten to deny that person the votes for the gavel. Surprise, surprise. And yes, it's feeling a little like deja vu. Right now, the question on everyone's minds on Capitol Hill is whether speaker nominee Steve Scalise is just Kevin McCarthy 2.0, a guy with a dream of holding the gavel but going nowhere fast. We write in Playbook this morning that it's pretty easy to see why a lot of folks are writing Scalise off right now. I mean, there appear to be more than 10 Republicans publicly committed to voting for someone else other than him on the floor. Remember, he's got to get 217 votes on the floor. He can only afford four Republican defections. Plus, in addition to those 10 or so that are publicly saying they won't back him, there are actually scores of other House Republicans who are number one, angry that Scalise's team killed a proposed rule to increase the threshold to win the nomination in conference yesterday. And number two, they're incredibly sour that their allies, Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan, have either been ousted or come in second. Jordan did not obviously beat Scalise yesterday. And I should say that Scalise's problems actually don't stop there. The Messenger reported last night that Team Trump is not intending to lift a finger to help him rally support. I've also heard that other members in GOP leadership with considerable influence are actually not doing much to help him right now either. And the clock really isn't on Scalise's side. I mean, if you think about it, Kevin McCarthy spent two months whipping votes to try to get the gavel and actually years of laying the groundwork to try to become speaker. Scalise was actually thrust into this moment with little heads up. I mean, yes, he won the nomination conference yesterday, but almost 100 House Republicans actually backed Jordan. And that doesn't give him a lot of time to get to 217. He's got a lot of people to win over and not a lot of time to do it. So yes, yes, the narrative around Scalise right now is not looking pretty. But I will say, in Playbook this morning, we flesh out a number of reasons why Scalise allies think people shouldn't be writing him off right now. Scalise has already won the backing of a bunch of the hardliners who actually ousted McCarthy. The only people who say they're going to oppose him are Bob Good and Nancy Mace from that category. And I'm told this isn't by accident. Scalise actually had been making calls to a bunch of Jordan supporters not to try to change their mind and tell them to back him in the GOP conference vote yesterday, but to ask if they would support him if he won the nomination. And it looks like he's had some success with that. Tim Burchard, Eli Crane, Matt Rosendale, Ken Buck, even Matt Gates, Mr. No himself, have come out and said that they will vote for Scalise on the floor. As for Scalise's current detractors, for a lot of them, this doesn't seem personal. And that's a big difference from where Scalise sits and where McCarthy has long struggled. Many of McCarthy's critics simply didn't trust him. They thought he lied to them, and they were very much biding their time to take him out. This is different with Scalise. He hasn't made any promises that he hasn't kept. And in fact, a lot of the reasons people are giving for opposing him seem like they might have some negotiation and wiggle room. For instance, Thomas Massey is concerned that Republicans are going to end up swallowing a massive spending bill called an omnibus at the end of the year. Is that something he can work out with Scalise? Maybe. Chip Roy of Texas is not happy with how Scalise's team whipped against and ultimately killed the House rule he was trying to get changed yesterday. Is that a conversation that could be had? Possibly. Marjorie Taylor Greene says she's worried about Scalise's health situation. Can he talk to her about that? Maybe. We pose a question in Playbook this morning. 
will those who do have personal animus against Steve Scalise actually take him down on the floor? We're talking about people like McCarthy ally Lloyd Smucker, who tweeted that he was going to be backing Jordan on the floor, or Carlos Jimenez, who says he will only vote for McCarthy on the floor until the ex-speaker tells him otherwise. These are people who typically row with the team. Typically, they're allied with leadership, but obviously they're unhappy right now with the situation that we're in. However, these are the same members who just last week were criticizing Matt Gates for taking out McCarthy. I do wonder if members like this are actually going to be willing to vote against the speaker nominee on the House floor, because doing that is actually quite hard, and there's a lot of political pressure to fall in line. And again, members like Lloyd Smucker, Jimenez, even Mike Turner, who says he is undecided. This is a centrist from Ohio who backed Jordan. Are these guys going to really do it? I'm not so sure. Now enough about the speakership drama. In other news this morning, we have a scoop by Ryan Lizza, the backstory of Biden's speech about Israel in the Hamas attack. Now, pro-Israel Democrats were absolutely thrilled to hear the tone from President Joe Biden yesterday. He was unequivocal. He talked about sheer evil and the ghastly details of how Hamas slaughtered civilians, massacred young people, and how women were raped and children were murdered. Biden avoided any hint of language that suggested Hamas was in any way justified with its actions. But Ryan reports this morning that early drafts of Biden's speech were actually far less clear, and it was Biden himself who banished this sort of wishy-washy language from earlier drafts of what he was supposed to say. We also want to point out this morning that the attack on Israel has actually put a spotlight on the $6 billion in recently unfrozen Iranian assets. Now that is in the congressional crosshairs. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell and Senator Tom Cotton are teaming up on a bill to basically refreeze these funds and punish Iran for supporting Hamas. It's important to note that at least eight Democratic senators are also on board, and that list could actually grow today. And for the rest of your schedule today, the House will be trying to elect a speaker. The Senate is out, and President Biden will be meeting with CEOs about the state of Bidenomics. I'm Rachel Bade. Thanks for listening.